Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Uh, Matt and I talked about it. At one point, he asked me what I thought. And I said, I'm uncomfortable that you're even asking me the question. Um, that's a coaching decision. And that's how we left it. George McCaskey speaking today, saying that he had nothing to do with the decision to throw out the plan for the Bears quarterback position this year, two, three weeks into the season, and that uh, Matt Nagy made the decision to give Justin Fields the full-time starting job. Um, uh, there continues to be uh, some, uh, I don't want to call it confusion. I'm not sure what to call it, but uh, uh, that's George's answer. And he's sticking to it that uh, that, that ownership had nothing to do uh, with that direction. Didn't want to have the conversation. I'm Hub Arkish with you for another hour right here on Chicago's very favorite all sports radio station, broadcasting live from the Hyundai score studios brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. I am remiss in getting two hours into the program without introducing and giving my thanks to studs. Adam Stadzinski, our producer tonight, our producers at the score, they just don't come any better and none better than studs. Great job putting the show together tonight, getting you all this sound from the one hour press conference with George McCaskey today, as well as being good enough to line up our guests. We have visited with Patrick, Mc, uh, Patrick Finley, uh, I should say of the Chicago sun times bears beat reporter, former Chicago bear, great and longtime NFL coach Mark Carrier was here in the 7 o'clock hour. And now it is my pleasure to welcome in a dear friend and former co-worker, currently NFL insider and draft expert for YahooSports.com, Eric Edholm. Eric, good to be with you again tonight. I know last time we talked, the family was a little bit under the weather, but I trust everybody is doing better and feeling good now. We have that amazing COVID immunity now. It's very exciting stuff to, to brag about. <laughs> So, yeah, we all feel pretty good. No one, no one got hit too hard. My daughter got a little temp, but uh, we, we are all fine now. That's always great news. Glad to hear that it came and went with very little pain. Um, Erica, it, it is painful for some on Black Monday here around the NFL. Uh, certainly no surprise uh, 
that Matt Nagy is out of a job in Chicago. It is not really a surprise, but maybe some felt a better chance that Mike Zimmer uh, would survive in Minnesota. I think a number of insiders felt that both uh, Ryan Pace and, and, and Rick Spielman would stay employed in one form or another, but two teams also looking for general managers as well. Vic Fangio is out in Denver, and the biggest surprise of the day, Brian Flores out in Miami. That's not something uh, that we had really heard a lot of conversation about, and so with jobs already open in Oakland and Jacksonville, it brings us back to this more familiar number of, uh, what is it, six head coaching uh, openings to fill. Uh, so for starters, your reaction to what went on here in Chicago in terms of the release of both Ryan Pace, excuse me, and Matt Nagy. Yeah, I think Pace was the big, was the big surprise of the two, obviously, you know, we've been, you know, it it felt like Matt knew what was coming. It felt like everybody watching knew what was coming. And, and, you know, I, I think there were some people in the locker room who obviously, you know, like Matt as a guy wanted to see it work. You know, I'm sure a lot of people obviously felt like he was off to such a good start. You know, this is is heading in the right direction. He just didn't. But the pace thing is really interesting. I mean, I'll be fascinated to hear. And obviously the Bears are talking to people around the league and trying to gauge who they might want in a head coach. But does that mean that there might be a head coach GM pairing of some sort? Is there going to be a change in the structure of the front office at all? Uh, You know, these are questions that we probably still have, I think, to a degree. And, you know, is there a a big swing they can take? Is there somebody, or again, a pair, who could energize the fan base and obviously give them the kind of structure and stability that every team is looking for? Well, and I think therein lies the problem, Eric, because uh, George McCaskey spoke it sounded fairly explicitly about an organizational change and saying that Ted Phillips had requested of him that he be able to focus all his attention to building a new stadium in Arlington Heights and would be removed from the football operation, which is what almost every Bears fan wanted to hear. And then the next breath, George told us that Ted Phillips would be part of the search committee for a new head coach and GM. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, and, and it makes you wonder, you know, Obviously, there's only so many people there who are in positions of leadership to make that decision. Again, I know, you know, that they've talked to people like Bill Polian and whatnot and got the outside voices, too. But ultimately, it's going to come down to the people in the building. And, you know, it sounds like Ted and George are going to have to work in concert on this thing. And so do people do prospective GM candidates look at that with a little bit of suspicion? Are they sensing an opportunity, meaning they could come in and maybe grab some of the power with some, you know, with, with one or two years of strong work and kind of uh, get a foothold because that's a possibility. There's a void there, in my opinion. So you can look at it both ways. Obviously, I think there might be, you know, some questions for people in terms of how the structure is going to operate on draft day, you know, the first day of free agency, all the offseason and team building planning and, you know, any coaching decisions that, you know, assistant coaches and whatnot who makes that call, who makes the 53-man roster call. Those things all have to be ironed out. and It can be tricky when you're interviewing multiple candidates, guys who may not have worked together. Eric, in your seventh and eighth season as a head coach in any market, when you don't get to the playoffs and when you're a defensive specialist and your defense is the problem, 
uh, everybody knew that Mike Zimmer was in serious jeopardy, but but I was yeah. really not hearing much that Rick Spielman might be, and, and I thought that 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 Mike's uh, best chance of survival was that Rick Spielman was patient and still somewhat happy with him. And I know the Wilf family has felt very good about Rick Spielman. How much of a surprise was that around the league when it was announced this morning that not only was Mike out, but that Rick was out too? Yeah, it was to me anyway. I mean, he's been there a long time, and and he's he's been a well-respected guy in the league for a long time. He was, you know, very steady in a lot of ways. I mean, the Kirk Cousins signing is obviously going to be a, you know, one that a lot of people talk about in terms of the guaranteed money and everything. But they've got good quarterback play for the most part out of him, even if there have been some games along the way where you wish he was better than he is. But drafting Justin Justin Jefferson in round one, you know that 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 felt like the kind of move that even if Jefferson isn't always happy with how many passes he gets, I mean, that should go on the plus column, I would think. And so much like I think a lot of people may have thought Pace saved his job by getting fields, even if he didn't show out the way Jefferson did as a rookie, apples to oranges. But you know what I'm saying. So, yeah, it, it's fascinating up in Minnesota. There have been some wild rumors the last few days on who might replace uh, Zimmer. I mean, I don't know how much credence I put in it, but I've heard from some college sources that the Wilfs may be interested in, in Lane Kiffin. I don't know if he's interested in them. I know he's obviously recruiting some, some big-name uh, transfer portal quarterbacks right now, so that may just be a fascination uh, or a rumor or something like that. But, uh, you know, when you fire the GM and the head coach, much like we were talking about with the Bears, it kind of makes you wonder if they had already had somebody in mind and that person said – hey, you know, I like Rick, but I want my own personnel guy here. It's a possibility. It's something you have to think about as maybe a, a, a big-name head coach who says, if I'm coming in here, I want to you know, have the GM of my, my choosing. So I don't know if that's the case, but it certainly could be. Yeah, the other thing that was interesting about it is that George Payton, his his right hand man, his yeah. chief lieutenant, had been a top candidate in other markets for years, and, and had turned down opportunities to interview, including here in Chicago in 2015, uh, when when Ryan was hired, the Bears wanted to talk to George, and George chose to take a pass, did not even interview, and yet he finally found the job that he was looking for in Denver, and now one year later, uh, the Vikings, you know, wiped the house clean. And, and, and you wonder, uh, you know, if there was some consideration knowing that George might have been leaving last year, which he did, that they might have tried to do something to keep him there. In Denver, uh, you know, it's not unusual for a new GM to come in, go status quo for a year, and after evaluating, want his own head coach, Vic Fangio, did a great job with the defense, as he does everywhere, but they just couldn't figure out the offense. And yet you kind of wonder, was it fair to expect any more from him with, with much like the situation here in Chicago, the quarterback situation they gave him? Yeah, I thought Vic showed some growth as a head coach. You know, year one, I thought there was some situational football stuff that uh, seemed to give him trouble managing the clock timeouts, things like that. Uh, I didn't regard those as issues at all by the end. Obviously, the quarterback limitations, I think, were what you know, held this team back. And, and you look at the roster and you say to yourself, wow, there's, even after trading Von Miller, there's still a lot there. And they've got, you know, more than your, your typical share of, of draft picks this year to try to make a run at one of those quarterbacks, whether it's, you know, Cousins, obviously Peyton was there in Minnesota, like you said. If, if the Seahawks open their minds up on, on Russell Wilson, I'm sure that would be a possibility. 
you know, they're interviewing people like Nathaniel Hackett for the head coaching job, certainly has ties to Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if that's going to happen. But, again, you know, there, there's there's going to be some kind of aggressive move at quarterback this offseason. What it is, I don't know. I would imagine that the head coach they pick is going to be with that in mind. You know, and everybody kind of wants the offensive-minded guys anyway these days, meaning, you know, fans and media tend to, to lean towards those picks, I would say. But, you know, finding the best guy is most important. But I think with the eye of reimagining what the offense could be with a, with a talented veteran quarterback, that's my assumption, uh, I think they're going to take uh, an offensive-minded candidate and end up giving them the job. Eric, the the one that I and you know we work the phones as best we can, and I think I had a fairly good handle on most of these situations, but did not see Miami coming, did not yeah. see Brian Flores being out, and, and and you know on one hand you look back on it now, and you realize the number of times the Deshaun Watson stories popped up, and the number of times Brian Flores shot him down, and they kept popping up again, and felt they had to be coming from somewhere in the organization, but I wouldn't have thought the owner, you know, and, and, and now you almost have to think that, that, that it may be that, that Stephen Ross wanted Deshaun Watson and that Brian Flores was getting in the way. Now I'm just speculating there. That's not based on any reports I have. I don't know what else to make of it because Ross has already come out and said, no, he is not targeting Jim Harbaugh. Ross, of course, yeah. is one of the biggest donors to the University of Michigan. Um, so so this one is just a bit of a puzzle. Whether it was problems between Flores and Chris Gaines, it's just hard to tell. Yeah, I think the relationship between Flores and Greer and maybe Flores and other people uh, had something to do with it. And it was clear that the owner felt like Chris Greer was the guy to build around and, and keep in place and that Brian Flores was not. It surprised me because, you know, even factoring in the one and seven start, I think he's a darn good coach. I really do. His biggest misstep as coach, in my opinion, was the, you know, the fumbling of the offensive coordinator position. You know, two guys shared it the first year, and, you know, they, they fire Chad O'Shea. They let Jim Caldwell go on leave. You know, it was, it was never clear whose offense it was. And even though I'm not that high on Tua Tungavailoa's ceiling, I don't think they did him a whole lot of favors either. I don't think they helped him out as best they could. So, you know, defensive game plans were usually really strong. Competitiveness was high. You know, a lot of the reaction out of Miami was utter shock by the players. They were expressing their, you know, their disappointment and their surprise. So I don't know if they have a candidate in mind. If we're taking Ross at his word and that Harbaugh, I think he's going to stay at Michigan. I think he's – doing a great job of negotiating his next contract or his agent is, but I, I, I am surprised. I don't think you make a move like this unless you have somebody in mind, right? I mean, that, that's a, a, a bit of a, a bit of a leap of faith, I think by the owner there. Yeah. I don't know if you have this issue, but I have certain guys. There's always a couple in any given year where I just decided that Chris Greer's name was Gaines, and I keep doing it, and thank you for that. <laughs> I didn't even I, notice. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I could not call Marquise Goodwin anything but Marquise Grissom until we got to week 14, you, you know, and it just <laughs> know, it happens. Better, right? <laughs> yeah, it happens with me sometimes. I, I, I will give you one little tidbit. I, Jim Harbaugh does not have an agent. You know, and people keep reporting. <laughs> you know, I, I, I went, yeah, I read one report that his agent was working the phones, and I thought, well, he doesn't have an agent. So it, it just makes what's going on with him that much more curious you, you know yeah. and, and clearly he is the elephant in the room of every team with a head coaching opening right now because they all have these young quarterbacks and and you know here's a guy who 
I, I am always loath to hire a top college coach because most mm-hmm. of them fail at the NFL level. But here's a guy who's already been a big success in the NFL and now a big success in college. So clearly Jim is driving the market, but, but everybody's going to have to wait and, and see what exactly is on his mind. We moved to Jacksonville. Um, where we have one of the two teams that got a head start, has already done a number of interviews, and yet I'm not hearing a lot of solid rumors coming out. Now, Trent Baalke is still in place. Uh, whether he is being allowed to hire his own coach as the GM or whether Shad Khan is significantly involved, i got to believe that Shad Khan, uh, with all the egg on his face, is going to be actively involved in whatever the decision is there. Yeah, I, I, I think it's pretty clear that they... They had a pretty good round of candidates last year. Um, Urban Meyer was the, the the shocker choice to even interview, I think, in a lot of people's minds. And then obviously picking them. And, you know, a lot of people obviously said Eric Bieniemy should have been the choice there last year. I mean, uh, they had a few other guys that they really liked. They had Nathaniel Hackett in the building a couple of years ago, too. He's one to watch. I mean, he was their quarterback coach and I know people laugh, but he did an exceptional job with Blake Bortles. I don't think Blake Bortles is very good at all, but he made him look pretty darn good for a couple of years there. A couple of 4,000-yard passing years. Got the most out of his athleticism. They love his ability to teach. So he's one that I could see being a possibility because I think a lot of people will view Khan and you know Trent Baalke with a little bit of suspicion and a little bit of trepidation because – other than 2017, this has been a losing franchise, and, and Balky's had his issues in the past with other people. Um, you know, I'm not saying who's right or wrong. I have no idea, but I can tell you that you know, bring up Harbaugh. Obviously, they butted heads at one point, and you know, if it's if it's a headstrong veteran, you know, coach who has a list of demands or things that they want a certain way. I don't know that that's a great situation. If it's a young up and coming guy who wants to kind of build a foundation. That sounds more like it. So I'd be fascinated. They may end up, even with Trevor Lawrence, may not be in a very attractive job. Well, you know, you got the market issue. You got the chance that the owners obviously had trouble, you know, understanding the role of an owner and, and, and the football yeah. side and getting people to run it properly. And uh, so that there are plenty of concerns there. And then lastly, so we can wrap up the Bears competition, if you will, and then I will let you go enjoy the rest of the evening with the family. I, I'm trying to figure out at this point, and we don't know what Mike Mayock's status is. The Raiders now in the playoffs. Uh, yep. um, there's been no indication that Mike is in jeopardy, but also no words of support from Mark Davis, who in my mind is the most mysterious of owners in the NFL. You know, a guy not only with no football chops, but no business chops really either. either. You know, won the gene pool out there. Um, uh, but how does Rich Passaccia not get consideration for this job? Uh, you know, I, I don't see, you know, you might not give it to him, but boy, you better be serious about interviewing him and have an explanation as to why he's not getting it at this point. Right. I mean, I think, you know, the, the record is one thing. I think they went, what, five and five with him uh, at the helm. But steadying that ship after seeing John Gruden defenestrated, I mean, that was a the shock of all shocks at the time, obviously. You know, that story was nuclear. Having Henry Ruggs, uh, you know, put in jail and, and having Damon Arnett released and having all the other stuff that they'd gone through. They lost to the Giants this year after the week after the Gruden thing. I think they were probably still in shock in some regards. You know, they they took some hits and they kept fighting. And this is not a big play defense. And, and Josh Jacobs was, was banged up down the stretch. And 
They had limited weapons. Darren Waller missed a bunch of games. And here's, you know, Derek Carr and Rich Passaccia, and these guys are just grinding it out. I, I think you have to, don't you? Don't you have to give him just the respect of the job? The guys know him, the job he did down the stretch. Maybe it's only a one year deal or something short like that. But if you don't have the candidate you love, I think you could do a lot worse and, and, and also earn some respect for, from people inside the locker room. Yeah, I mean, there, there are some young players that will be the core of that football team. Certainly Josh Jacobs and Max Crosby and Yannick the Great. Yeah. You know, these, these guys will be around for a while. Uh, I, if, if I'm Bisacci, I won't even talk about a one-year deal, but, but a two- or three-year deal, uh, I think you have to do it. And if you have to eat the third year of it or whatever it may be, that's the right. way it goes. But um, my, my guess is that they, you know, what happens if they win a playoff game? <laughs> I mean, it's, right? Yeah, that, that's, that story is still developing. So, uh, Eric, we got to run, and I know you want to probably get back to the family. I really appreciate your time out this evening. Uh, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, as we all, I know you're going out on the college circuit now, Senior Bowl. East West yeah. Shrine game. Uh, we will be checking back in to get updates from you on all of that as well. Thanks much for your time tonight. Looking forward to it. I'll see you soon. That is Eric Edholm of YahooSports.com. We are going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, finally, as promised, George McCaskey took a strange shot at Olin Krutz today. Um, he was he was asked a question about what I think paints the Bears in a rather unfortunate light as a professional football organization. Um, my read on it was I don't know that George was totally familiar with the story because if he was, uh, it was a strange answer. He, he decided to take on Olin Krutz. Well, Olin joined our buddies Danny Parkins and, and Matt Spiegel this afternoon, and he was more than happy to pick up the baton and take the challenge. Uh, we're going to play a little bit of that for you in just a moment right after this quick commercial break right here at 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I've learned over the years to take just about anything that Olin says with a grain of salt. And I look forward to hearing that story again and hope he includes it in his Hall of Fame induction speech. So you're saying that it's not true? Uh, that's the way it is sometimes with Olin. Don't get the whole story. And Olin knows what the story is. In a one-hour visit with the media today, George McCaskey had uh, a handful of, of 
uncomfortable moments. Uh, for many of us, that may have been the most uncomfortable because it didn't make a lot of sense. Um, uh, I mean, th- there's no other way uh, to spin that, but, but George accused, well, I mean, he accused him of not telling the whole story, but it, it, it clearly is suggesting that he's not telling the truth. And, and, um, if you know, Olin, you know, that's not possible. You know, now, now Olin is an irascible character. There's no question about that. And, and, and you know, he's different. That's the bottom line. That's one of the things I love about him so much. Um, uh, but, but I trust his word implicitly. And, and so it could be that, that there's, you know, some extra explanation, but if that's the case, why wouldn't George have just given it instead of doing that, you know? And, and that's why I think that George, I don't know, maybe he wasn't overly familiar with the story. Maybe he didn't know exactly what he was talking about. Maybe he got caught off guard regardless he handled it really poorly. And uh, Olin, uh, who, of course, is uh, a regular here at 670 The Score, um, as well as a, a participant in the uh, Chicago Bears pregame and, and the post-postgame shows with Anthony Heron, uh, joined our own Danny Parkins and Matt Spiegel this afternoon, a few hours after that happened. And uh, this was his spin on it. Olin, thank you for the time. Your response to George mm-hmm. McCaskey. I just I'm not I'm not surprised, guys. Honestly, I'm not surprised. I think what George was trying to tell you there uh, at that that point of the press conference was that he doesn't like me. All right, George McCaskey. I guess he doesn't like. Uh, and I know I've had some run-ins with George, to be honest, in the building uh, when he was in charge of the ticket office. I remember he had there's a young linebacker. I won't mention his name, but I uh, had his shirt off at the ticket office window, and George started yelling at him, and uh, me and George started yelling at each other. So uh, you know. I understand that George doesn't like me. He's telling you that he doesn't like me as a person and he doesn't think I'm a good person. And he thinks I'm a liar, I guess. Right. He doesn't talk to me uh, since I left the building in 2010 or 11, uh, played 190 games for that team, uh, was their team captain for eight or nine years, uh, won four or five Piccolo awards while in the building. So uh, he called me a liar and, and that's fine. You know, I immediately, because now I'm thinking to myself, man, maybe I got the story wrong. So I call Harry, he and he confirms the story uh, to me, and I called Ryan Pace, and I talked to Ryan Pace about it because that's what guys do, right? Uh, guys who are leaders, guys who are in charge, guys who are worried about their character, they call people and actually talk to them. And what George McCaskey should have said right there, because maybe the story didn't get to him, what he should have said is, maybe I need to talk to Harry and Ryan about what happened with Olin. Maybe this was a misunderstanding. Uh, if, if he had any respect for me, he would say that. I have respect for them and the organization. So what I actually do is I actually call people who are a part of the story instead of calling somebody who spent that long in your building, who played through injuries for you, who spent that much time trying to win football games for you, who now is a father of six, who coaches kids in football, who does, does all these things, who now is 44 years old, who now have, you haven't seen in 11 years, instead of calling the guy a liar and everything I say you take with a grain of salt. If that man would have said that to my face, we would have had a problem. Olin, it, it is an attack on your character and your credibility, and you felt it that way. So you called the people involved, including Ryan Pace, made sure that the story is right. And are able to stand here with your head held high in this conversation. All George had to say was, 
I don't know all the details of that conversation. Mm -hmm. And so I'll leave that for, I mean, why would he go out of his way to question your credibility when, as you've clearly stated, the story is true and George doesn't know it? Yeah, he's questioning the credibility. Now, if I take myself out of this and I become the analyst, right? The last time I played on a football field for the Chicago Bears for George McCaskey's football team, I tore the Liz Frank ligament in my foot in the, in the third quarter of that game. I told the Mike Tice on the sideline that I thought my foot was broken. He said, Olin, can you finish the game for us? I said, yeah, I'll finish the game knowing I was going to become a free agent, knowing that I was in my 13th year in the NFL. So I played through a torn ligament in my foot. Now, George would tell you this story you got to take with a grain of salt because we all know Olin's a liar, right? That's what George would tell you about this story I am telling you right now. But I flew to Indianapolis, went to see their foot doctor, had him put the he had put a boot on me for five or six months. So I can prove these stories just like I can prove the story by talking to Harry Heastan that I told about the $15 an hour. Ryan Pace told me, obviously, first time I talked to Ryan Pace about the story. He told me a little different version. Obviously, there's two sides to every story, but he said the offer was made, but it was a standard offer that they would make to people that would go to camp. It's all George had to do is to look at the story a little bit and just say, man, uh, there's our side and there's Olin's side and there's a misunderstanding here somewhere, and maybe we'll talk to Olin about it one day since the people in that building do have my number. But instead, he went out there and said that about me. Let me tell you something right now. I, I see it this way. If a guy like George McCaskey doesn't like me, that is a win for me. Olin, last week I asked you if, how you could not hate the Bears when they insult you in that way uh, with the offer. Now that they've insulted your character and called you a liar publicly, how do you feel about them? Uh, I don't want to put them. I don't want to put everybody in the same boat there, right? Um, obviously, I am not fond of George McCaskey right now and the way he handled himself there. But, um, you know, the guy just said that he is not, uh, football guy that he is a fan. He doesn't evaluate talent, but everybody's report to him. You guys just listened to that press conference, right? You just heard everything that was said. Uh, I am on the radio. I am on TV. I have 13 years in that building. I, I have a lot of stories that, it, that I saw when I was there. I'm sure some of that bugs them. I think we just heard that come out. He talked about they will not talk to players on TV about what's going on in their building because some kind of nonsense that they don't want to put us in a bad spot. Uh, you're the ones in a bad spot. Uh, I, I, what, what just happened, I don't understand. But you don't ever want to feel like, man, I hate these guys that I, you spent so many years playing football for that gave me a lot of fair contracts. I was the highest paid center in the league for a lot of years, which means the Chicago Bears were paying me a lot of money to play football for their team. Uh, in this city. So the McCaskey family, they were the owners. I know Jerry Angelo gave me the contract, but they were their owners. Ted Phillips was approving those deals that they gave me. So I don't want to say I hate them. I will say that if I saw George McCaskey right now, we would have probably a few passionate conversations. That is Olin Krutz, a regular contributor here at 670 The Score. His response to the comments that George made today um again i I, you know olin i'm i'm well i'm friendly with both guys but 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 no olin much better and and certainly would consider him a closer friend and and so you can take that with a grain of salt he's as honest as the day is long and 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 i don't know what george was thinking when he said that when when he put it that way um it, it just was really inappropriate and uh as somebody 
um, who recently stepped in his own mess. Uh, I have some advice, whether George wants it or not. Um, an apology as soon as possible is clearly warranted. Uh, you know, I don't know what the reaction would be. Um, but, you know, with everything else going on, um, you know, it probably wouldn't be a bad time to save a little face. And, and regardless of what George thinks about it, he owes all an apology. And, and uh, you know, we'll just have to wait and, and see if that is coming. Guys, we've got to take a commercial break here. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. We're going to have time for at least three, four more of your phone calls if you want to dial us up. Again, 312-644-6767. This is Hubbard. I'm broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studios, and we're back with more at Chicago's very best all-sports radio station, 670 The Score, in just a moment. I don't think we're going to convince them in the short term. Um, It's only time that will bear out the results, and the charge to us will be finding the best general manager and head coach to bring about those results. George McCaskey today answering a question as to whether or not he understands why Bears fans might not be pleased with what he had to say today and with the decision to uh, continue to include Ted Phillips in certain aspects of the football operation and and, uh, his explanation that he is not a football player person or football guy I, I forget exactly how he put it uh and that was george and, and, and in this particular case he's right he couldn't win going in today there's no way he was going to win and, and then he made it worse by initially saying that ted was outside of the football operation then the next breath bringing him back in so um uh, i think he probably did win some folks over with the addition of bill polian you, you, you're just wrong if you don't understand why uh, that is somebody you really want on your side in this situation, but whether it's enough or not and why sh- people should trust they're going to get it right this time after the last three attempts, uh, as George just said, they're, they're not is the honest answer, you know, and so they've got to go out and find the right guy. And, uh, if they do, then, uh, everything else, uh, will become secondary and won't matter anymore. Let's get back to the phone lines, head out to Rockford where Mike is dialing us up tonight. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing Thanks. Uh, Hub, listen, um, I'm a regular caller. I want to ask you, because of the embarrassment with what happened with Owen Crutes, and I totally believe Owen, um, I, 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 I want to ask you, though, just, just for the way that the Bears, the way the organization handles, the way that they've gone through GMs and head coaches, does, does, is that going to hinder the Bears? Because I'm sure that the, the, that the other candidates out there have to know the way that this organization runs. And and is that going to hinder a potentially good candidate from even wanting to come here? I mean, yeah, you know, they could sell them on the new stadium that's going to be built. Hasn't been put into fruition yet. No one knows that. It's going to take five years. And that's maybe not be enough time for GM, you know, to prove himself, and he'll be out before the new stadium comes. So my question is, Hub, is this going to hinder a potential good candidate from coming here? No. You know, Mike, I I mean, it's always a possibility, but – there's 32 of these jobs in the world. Right now, two of them are open, Minneapolis and Chicago. Which one do you want? You know, Kirk Cousins owed $45 million with a cap-strangling contract and then out the door and nobody to replace him? Or a possible young franchise quarterback in the second year of five years of control in Justin Fields? Look at some of the other young talent on these two rosters. Uh, you know, clearly, I would think 
that the right candidate would insist on autonomy and complete control, and and they're going to give it to them this time. You know, regardless of what we hear, uh, they, they really have no choice. And so, um, as long as the the you know compensation is competitive, and that's not been a problem with the Bears, in spite of what people want to talk about accusing them of being cheap and everything, um, the fact that it's arguably the best market in the NFL that it is certainly the heritage franchise in the NFL. And the fact that as, as, as folks learned, you know, you with Jim Finks and, and Mike Ditka, I mean, my Lord, Jerry Venisi, who's a wonderful guy and, and very talented, was treated as football royalty when in fact he almost had nothing to do with the football operation on the football side of it, but he was Mike Ditka's best friend and people still aren't forgiving the Bears for firing him because that's what winning does here in Chicago. And so anybody who has enough faith in himself and, and, and you know, believes that they can be successful in the job is going to kill for this job. So I, I just don't see that as an issue. Now, you know, you, you do have the situation with his brother, Michael, where Dave McGinnis was ready to be the head coach here. And Michael did some things that left Dave believing he could not trust Michael. Um, and that was Michael's fault. Uh, may he rest in peace. And, 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 you know, there's no indication that, that George has ever done anything like that, that he would do something like that. So if he did something in the future to make it worse, it could be a problem. But where they're at right now, I think there's a lot of guys that are going to like the fact that the guy says, I'm not a football guy. <laughs> you know, they're going to answer to me, but they got to, they got to be successful. Basically what he's saying is if you are the football person that we hire and you come here and win, you're fine. And, and I think that's all the top candidates are going to want. So plenty to be concerned about here, but I don't think that is, is high on the list. Let's get out to Highland Park and welcome Fred into the show. Fred, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you tonight? Good, thank you. Okay, I, I got a little bit of an antidote that goes back to uh, Harbaugh's tenure as a quarterback when Phillips was uh, still the bean counter for the company back in 93. Uh, mm-hmm. I am a... Uh, and this will give you a little context and take it as, as you may. I'm a 35-year, recently retired automobile salesman. Mm-hmm. And I had the opportunity in 1993 to meet Mr. Phillips uh, at an Asian German car dealership here in Highland Park. And it was owned by a fellow who was from uh, England who didn't know anything about American football. And I wandered into his office with Mr. Phillips sitting in, in uh, across the desk from him. And I asked the guy, I go, do you know who you're talking to here? He's a professional negotiator. This is Ted Phillips from the Bears. And finally the light bulbs went on, and I started to quiz him a little bit uh, on his uh, personnel and what's going on. And his response to me when I asked him, well, what, what, where's Harbaugh going? What do you think of him? Uh, and I'm going to quote him directly on this because uh, I was the salesman of record on, on the deal that was for his wife's car uh, that Jim Harbaugh, quote, was dumb as a bag of hammers. Now – that having occurred, if he's carried forward like that and you're reading the tea leaves here, maybe that's why they're trying to ease him away from football so that Harbaugh, with the history that he had with Phillips, will take the job. Um, and, you know, it, w- it was really kind of uh, uh, eye-opening, not that uh, not anybody else except me in the building understood who this guy was, but that he was so open about it that, you know, somebody he's known for 30 minutes, that, uh, hey, our starting quarterback is an idiot. So that might have something to do with what's going on. 
Well, you know, Fred, I, I think it's an unfortunate comment on Ted, um, but but keep in mind, Ted w was nowhere near top management at that point. Uh, he, he didn't rise to that level until six or seven years later. And I don't know how much one-on-one -on -one contact he even had with Jim, let alone to have any feud or any issues. And, and, and Jim might not even be aware that that was what Ted thought unless he's listening to the show right now. So I hear you, you know, and, 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 and again, I started with that's a really unfortunate comment on who Ted Phillips is that he would say that period uh, about anybody that, that he works with, uh, you know, in, in, to anyone, not just a stranger. Um, but I, I, I don't think it, it really offers any proof or any verification that there could be issues with Jim. And, and um, uh, and I don't think, listen, <laughs> there are more than enough reasons for George McCaskey to understand he's got to get Ted Phillips out of the football operation, uh, that have nothing to do with Jim Harbaugh. So it's an interesting story. I appreciate your calling and sharing it with us. And, uh, and again, I, I'm not going to hide from it. It's a terrible comment on Ted Phillips, uh, assuming that's exactly the way that it went down, but I don't think it has anything to do with any possibility of, of Jim Harbaugh being the next coach or, or, or you know, president of football operations, whatever he might be looking for here in Chicago. We've got time for one more call. Roscoe has dialed us up from Antioch tonight. Roscoe, how you doing? Hi, good evening, Hub. I know you're at the end of your show, so I got to get right to it. Uh, I was working today, so I didn't hear the press conference live, and I heard the Olin thing for the first time tonight. I guess I have two takes on it. Number one, I, I think it's emblematic of, of the dysfunction of that organization just in general, the, the thing with Olin came out the first time on Friday. So I, I can't imagine that somebody in that building who was prepping George for that press conference wouldn't know that was coming up. And to have him react the way he did in real time, like he didn't know that question was coming. And then to say what he said, it shows me that that organization really doesn't have a lot of talent all across the social media group or whoever was prepping George for that really should have done a better job getting George ready for that question. But I guess my, my bigger point is, and my mother always told me when I make a mistake, uh, I should immediately go and apologize. And I think you took that message to heart last week with the situation you found yourself in, but you know, I, I think George consults with his mother. Do you have any insight as to whether or not Virginia might go to George tomorrow and say, George, maybe you should apologize to Olin for what you said and try to clear the air. I, if, if that were me, that's what I would tell my son. And I'm interested to hear your take on it. And maybe, I know, you know, George, maybe you can do that for, for him, for his benefit. Cause I really think it would be in his best interest to do that. So I'm going to hang up and listen. Thanks. Well, Roscoe, thank you for the call. I, you know, first of all, um, I, I don't know that I agree that, that with everything they've had going on, that, that, that issue should have been something that George was prepped for today. Um, uh, I, I hear you, you know, and I think George handled it terribly. Uh, I, I've already just said 10 minutes ago, I think that he needs to apologize. Um, I think, it, you know, knowing the family and knowing Virginia, it is quite possible she could suggest it to George, but I would hope he doesn't need that advice to know that it's the right thing to do. Um, uh, but I, you know, I don't want to hang this one on, on, you know, the people in the communications department and the people in media relations. I, I, there's been, this has been such a crazy, you know, four or five weeks and especially a whirlwind, you know, 24 hours. They did not know Friday that this was coming, or at least that's what George said. He said the decision was made, uh, last night. I think they knew that Matt was going to be let go, but I don't think they had decided on Ryan. And, and with all of that, I, I, I don't agree that, that they, they should have expected 
um, that that question was was going to be asked. I, I'm part of it all, and I was sitting there, and I was a little taken aback when Adam, you know, I think it was Adam, I can't remember now, um, uh, asked the question. And, and I'm not saying it was an inappropriate question to ask. It wasn't at all. Um, but, you know, I didn't expect George to talk for an hour, you know, and take all the stuff that he did. So it was it was an awful mistake. It didn't make him or the organization look good. He absolutely should apologize, and he shouldn't need anybody to tell him that. Um, but to your initial point, um, I don't know that it's anybody's failure that, that George and, uh, you know, and, and I guess that's part of the lesson I learned last week, too, is I've done everything I can, even though I will tell you to this moment that most of what I said did not require apologizing. A couple of things were so egregious that they did. That's what you do. You stand up and apologize and you own it. And, and hopefully George McCaskey will. We are out of time, but I want to thank my great lineup of guests tonight. Patrick Finley of the Chicago Sun-Times, former Chicago Bears great Mark Carrier, and Eric Edholm, the NFL insider and draft expert for YahooSports.com. Adam Stadzinski is one of the best producers in town, and I'm lucky enough to get to work with him more often than not. Studs, a great job again tonight. Thank you so much. And to all of you for listening, for calling, for texting, thank you so much for being with me tonight. And guys, you know what? Uh, You got part of what you wanted today. I know most of the city wanted a radical change. Well, George McCaskey gave it to you. He wiped the slate clean. No, he did not handle his explanations as well as we might have liked. But you've got a Hall of Famer in place now working at finding the answers that you're looking for in Bill Polian. There is hope. It may not be all the hope you wanted, but there is hope. We will be watching it closely. Nobody's going to cover it better than we do here at 670 The Score. I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock with Danny and Matt. In the meantime, stay tuned for CBS Sports Radio Network, and have a great, great evening, everybody. It's stupid, and I hate it. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.